Hi, welcome to the Sounding Board. This is a podcast by the Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia or more commonly known as ICDM. As disruption grows in scale and intensity, board leadership must evolve to stay ahead. That means governance model must transition to one that is proactive, future-focused and sustainability-driven. In this podcast, you will meet experts, governance leaders and directors who are at the forefront of that change. Together, we tackle some of the big questions facing corporate boards today and explore what it takes to be an effective director in a disruptive world. Hi everyone, my name is Nadia Hassan and welcome to episode 2 of The Sounding Board. In the past month, corporate governance issues have been making headlines at home and abroad. Shareholders are increasingly holding boards accountable for their inaction, especially in addressing ESG issues. And there has been a spotlight on the board's ability to perform their oversight role effectively. So in this episode of this podcast, we reflect on those concerns and discuss some of the measures that the boards and the companies can adopt in order to avoid such uh, situations and spend more time on building the company rather than putting out multiple public fires. And with us today, I actually have two very people with a lot of experience in that. Uh, first is uh, Pankaj Kumar, who is an ICDM member, more than 20 years of experience in investment research, fund management, corporate strategy. Um, I've met him personally a couple of times and he's always had very great insights. And of course, uh, Michelle Kaithi Lim, President and CEO of uh, Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia. Well, let's just get into it um, about board responsibilities because those are rapidly expanding. You know, when, when I started out, board members were there definitely as your gatekeepers, but in a way they were sort of benign. You know, they, 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 they oversaw the big picture, but that these days is just not enough. So board members only typically meet a few times a year. They have to understand the issues of the company that's dealing with, and they are responsible for the organization, success, failure, whether it implodes or works. And when they fall short, they're the ones that people trot out. You know, they're the ones that people point and say, why didn't you do your job? But there's this weird disconnect where you are not supposed to, as a director, interfere with the way a company is managed. That is down to management, you know? So how do you balance such a delicate balancing act? Because you cannot just throw up your hands these days and go, I didn't know. You are supposed to know. Now, I have this for, for Pankaj. I'm curious, you know, as an independent director, how do you keep yourself up to date with business affairs and you know when you walk into that boardroom how do you know that what you're adding makes to the right decision for for the company uh thanks nadia and also thanks to icdm and michelle uh, for having me on the podcast uh, it's an honor for me to share my thoughts on this topic as well and yeah. i think as an independent director i think the foremost important is to understand the business uh, the company is involved in uh, this takes time to learn and comprehend. And of course, uh, when we are up against uh, materials that explain all the different aspects of the business, 
one can only learn by asking questions. Uh, perhaps the right. most important part uh, is to have a curious mind as to how the business is carried out, who are the competitors, uh, nature of the business, transactions, uh, understanding the various dynamics yeah, in terms of cost and revenue, uh, as well as to ascertain uh, the company's exposure in terms of financial and operational and, of course, uh, credit risk as well. Uh, knowing the yeah. company's capabilities and limitations too is important uh, as that will ensure uh, that the company is not undertaking undue risk and beyond its ability. Having understood the various aspects of the business uh, is when an independent director can start to contribute. Uh, he or she can start asking questions uh, that are related to the business transactions, accounting issues, operational, legal risk, or of course, uh, ensuring that the business of the company is carried out uh, above board and well-structured governance and reporting system. Yeah? He or she uh, can complement the decision-making process uh, of the other board members to ensure that the board has looked into the various aspects uh, of a transaction before it's approved. Uh, board members uh, can also complement each other uh, based on their own areas of expertise. For example, in my case, uh, I will ask questions related to finance and risk management, uh, as well as ensuring that we have the resources uh, to carry out a project at hand. Okay, but you know, Michelle, you've seen this. You've seen this a lot, right? We've talked a lot about independent directors' roles, and of course, they walk in educated. They walk in with with questions. But how do you reconcile again? You know that. They are not directly involved in day-to-day -day business. What Pankaj says is correct. You know, you, you walk in, you, you are educated up to the, you know, to the max about what you can about the company, but you are still not there for day-to-day -day business. And yet you must be able to do be a constructive influence because your decisions still impact and and kind of ripple down. You know, how do you how do you show people that, you know, I, I'm doing this in your best interest and this kind of no agenda, you know, we're, we're, we're not out to, to, you know, hurt people or, or livelihoods. How, how do you do that? Hi, uh, thanks, Nadia. And, and you're most welcome, Pankaj. It's, uh, you know, fantastic to have you on board for this podcast. I, I, I will answer that question and echo uh, Pankaj as well to a certain extent. I, I, firstly, actually, if you look at the Companies Act, uh, it does actually talk about the role of the board in managing uh, the affairs of the company. Now, again, uh, that then uh, goes to the next question, how do they not overstep that line between board and management? And I think it's a function of maybe three things. So actually, if I can say two things and one overlying uh, 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 function, which is trust. Trust meaning you trust that the management uh, can take over and manage the day-to-day -day affairs. Uh, on the converse, that the management can trust that the board will be there to, to give them advice, provide oversight, uh, provide that stewardship, right? And how, how then do you um, uh, ensure that that trust is there and, and continues and, and uh, is applied? I, I think two ways. Uh, one, firstly, information sharing. Uh, for example, uh, you know, I think that the very traditional way of 
uh, information sharing between you know through your board packs through your presentation need, needs to 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 evolve as well there should be more direct uh, sharing uh, uh, communication between board members and management right so board members then can find out uh, get a better sense of how things are going you know on the ground directly from management they they're not overstepping they're going through management so so i think that's one. And if you look at companies now, for example, like Netflix, they're, they're, they're starting to do things like that, you know, to be able to communicate uh, information share in a different way. Uh, Netflix, I think, also does short uh, memos between, uh, you know, board members and, and management so that they can ask direct questions in real time. I think that's something that's missing or something that's fairly new in, in, in Malaysia, for example, even in Asia. So that's one way of, of, of trying to see how we can change that. And, and better the oversight from, from board directors in that sense. And secondly, uh, I echo Pankaj as well, it's competency, you know, um, it, especially independent directors. And we're talking about independent directors today. Independent directors are unlike, uh, independent directors are non-executive, right? And they are unlike executive directors. Executive directors have what we call positional power. They're in positions in the company. They have that power. They have the power of information on hand. Independent directors don't have that. They have to ask. So what do they have? They have the personal power, i.e. Uh, the influence that they have via their knowledge, via the expertise that comes into play. Now, these sort of competencies, uh, you know, bring, you know, brings out their authority to be able to question management, constructively challenge management, um, ask the right questions and making sure they, they, they you know, they get the right information so that they can look out, you know, in terms of the best interests of the company. So that that's my take of it, Nadia. You know, the, the this is a question probably for the both of you. You know, you're talking about how Netflix does things and now you can do memos, notes. Of course, Facebook is very famous, you know, for being able to question that, that message board that they have, you know, in, inside the company as well. How accessible do you think board members should be to management? Like drop of a hat, you know, and maybe even other people who have questions for the board and their decisions. How accessible do you think boards have to be or must there still be this slight separation of church and state, as they say? Well, I think, Nadia, that question is also quite uh, tricky, I would say, because at the mm. same time, you know, uh, there's no... The line is in this, on the sand, really. Yeah? You don't know where, where, where you should be, where is your limitation and where you could uh, go. Yeah? But I think uh, the most important part here, it's uh, at the board level itself, uh, where the chairman plays a role yeah? in terms of ensuring uh, that matters that are brought up by independent directors, especially if mm -hmm. are matters which they do not understand or they could not comprehend, uh, are right. addressed properly. Yeah? So the role of the chairman is very important here. Do you agree with that? Uh, Michelle, about the chairman especially. We've talked about that as well, you know, the, the role that the chairman plays. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yes, I think the chairman has a role to play to bridge as well between, you know, uh, board members, to bridge between board members and, and even senior management, uh, for example. Um, I do think board members need to be more engaged, I, you know, again, I come back to not overstepping the line. And I think where there's a, there's a sufficient level of trust 
where there's a sufficient level of recognition of your role in the company and what you bring to the board. I mean, bearing in mind the board is 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 um, a function of individuals as an entity, right? On its uh, as a whole, so it's it's what the individuals bring to the table and what the board as a whole can offer to the company. And I think the board needs to engage with management, build up on that trust, so that there's there's always. Um, uh, proper oversight because you can't have oversight when you don't have information, right? And you don't know what's yeah. going on. So I, I think uh, very self-aware directors will know where they stand. And if they're competent, they know how not to push too hard, how not to question too hard, when to pull back, when to withhold information, all that uh, is possible. But, it, you know, it comes with experience as well. It comes with a certain level of emotional intelligence, like I think. So uh, so therefore, we, we say there should be good competent directors with broad skill sets, not so one-dimensional in their thinking, more broad, and, and they can then bring these these skills to the table. Yeah, I think that's a good way of, of at least a starting point. Now, um, you know, I wanted to ask Pankaj this. So in, in theory, on paper, role of independent directors are very well defined. You have a clear set of guidelines, this is what you should be, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, in reality, some of them, not all of them, some of them have a bit of difficulty standing up for their views. What do you think is the reason for that? Is it an Asian thing? Is it a cultural thing? Like, a, you know, or is it just some directors are, are new and they don't want to overstep? I mean, why, why do you think that some of them have a bit of a hard time having their voices heard in, in a room of literally like maybe 10 of them. You're, you're right, Nadia. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it's really up to the individual. Yeah? Uh, while the rules and responsibility of a director is clearly spelled out, uh, we do see that at times, director may just end up filling up the numbers and being a yes man huh? or a yes woman. Uh, yeah, which we don't are, want. Yeah, of course, we don't want. Uh, there are factors that lead to this phenomena. Yeah? Uh, I think I could, I think I could potentially... Uh, list them into a few of them. First of them, first of all, uh, and of course, I'm not uh, hinting to anyone or anything, uh, but I reckon that some independent directors consider their position as plump positions, yeah, with a modestly paid salary. Uh, and second, perhaps uh, they feel that they don't want to rock the boat uh, and be a troublemaker. Yeah. 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 Uh, no no uh, names, feeling, of course. We're not implying yeah, anything. Yeah. Correct. Uh, feeling that such behavior may lead to their ouster. Yeah. When the time comes. Uh, Third, I could also say that they may not understand the issue at hand and hence mm. unable to actually speak up. Yeah, So this is rather dangerous uh, as board members ought to be up to speed Yeah, in terms of understanding the business aspects uh, of a company. Uh, they should take time to learn the business and do their homework too as uh, to be ready when it's time for deliberation at the board level. Yeah, Because as you know, when you are at the board, uh, papers are presented, you know, views are taken, decisions are made. Yeah? So if you are not able to comp- uh, contribute in terms of uh, feedback, in terms of questions, in terms of deliberation, yeah, then your role as an independent director uh, can be defeated, really. Uh, so this is where mm. the chairman of the board plays an important role yeah? uh, to yeah, ensure yeah. that every board member is not only given a chance to speak, uh, but to ensure that at least one board member, for example, uh, has a dissenting view as well. Yeah? Uh, so that... Yeah. That will give uh, everyone yeah, uh, some element of uh, check and balance yeah, in terms of questioning uh, 
because as you know, at the board level, it's always about decision making. Yeah. Uh, so mm. if if everyone just a yes man and nobody says, hey guys, why don't we look at the other way? You know, uh, or what about this issue? Uh, have we thought about this one? Yeah. So someone has to be the one that descends. Yeah. So that the board becomes more vibrant uh, in terms of discussion. Uh, this could yeah help. because yeah. yeah. Because yeah, definitely could, what you don't want is yeah. a glorified tea time, right? Correct. Correct. That's right. Yeah. You so, know? That's right. So, yes. so that's my view. Yeah. Then, you know, so in that vein, Michelle, how, how do you fully capture then, you know, a value of the independent directors? You know, how do you make sure that, that you know, you get every inch out of it? Yeah. Um, I mean, firstly, to, uh, you know, as Pankaj said, like it's it's not a numbers game. Yeah, uh, it, it's what you bring to the table. So, um, and, and if I refer to our recent uh, diversity study that we released, uh, we've said this as well. It's it, it's not a numbers game. Uh, it is is what you bring to the table. So, uh, you know, talking about diversity, that that's one way of capturing the value of independent directors. I mean, what are independent directors? They're meant to bring uh, diverse perspectives, right? Independent perspectives. So in order to do that, you need a diverse board, you need diverse thinking, you need uh, different people making up, you know, different backgrounds, uh, different experiences, different genders, age groups, tenures, cultures, you know, what have you, right? And, and we've mentioned it all in our diversity study as well. And, and, that, and it's proven as well, as you can see, from the study, and we've done that study on you know over 300 companies in Malaysia as well, that a better, a more diversely constituted board, it, it is better place to achieve a more sustainable financial performance. And 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 you know that there, there's a direct correlation to mm. to better performance. So again, this is how we capture the value through that diversity, um, so that they can then. Uh, you know, bring, uh, you know, breakthrough ideas to the board discussions, disrupt the, the common thinking, the, 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 what we say, um, you know, that, that, that one, one dimensional sort of, of thinking. You're trying, you're trying to avoid, um, you know, them, them all thinking in the same way, that homogenous thinking. So you need that diversity to, to, to break through that. Um, but again, uh, not just diversity, uh, you know, no point having a diverse board when they're not inclusive, right? So we talk about inclusivity as well, right? Making sure, you know, the board of different people, uh, you know, it, it, again, it's not about numbers. Uh, it's about mm. appreciating the, those differences, right? So building that culture of inclusivity, that's another way of capturing that value as well. So that every member of the board, you know, has the confidence, they, they speak their minds, they contribute, you know, the, the, the divergent uh, perspectives, then we really harness the value that these independent directors can bring. But again, um, you know, that uh, that has to be tempered with circumstance, right? So, you know, um, and, and we will talk about, you know, the, 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 the kinds of circumstance that can affect the performance of an independent director. Yeah, because, you know, to me, boards are like living organisms for sure. You know, there, there are dynamics that are in play, you know, there, there are different parts to kind of consider, you know, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I have this one question and, you know, uh, sort of relating to what Pankaj was talking about, you know, in the room and you don't want let yes men. You know, Malaysia has this thing about long-serving independent directors. You know, they, they are a massive concern. You have a lot of them staying on for, for what, 12 
20 years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I've, when, when I was, uh, you know, when you go to see companies, you tend to see the same faces on the board. And of course, now the, the SC and Bursa are setting up measures to encourage more frequent board refreshment. This is to, of course, to make sure that not only is your board having new ideas, no yes men, no, no sort of like settling into a groove, but we find that while companies in general, maybe they tick all the boxes on directors' independence, but when you break it down, that independence is almost a mirage. So how do you manage something like that? So under the Bursa listing requirement, if you look at it, a director is deemed to be an independent director if he ticks some of the boxes, Yeah, uh, which among mm-hmm. others, uh, of course, include the fact uh, that he or she is not an executive director. Uh, he's not a major shareholder. Uh, it's not acting as a nominee of any executive director or major shareholder. And of course, it's not a family member of any executive director, officer or major shareholder. So the rules are pretty clear yeah, in terms of who qualifies uh, to be an independent director. But to prove someone, uh, especially, yeah, it's not a nominee, uh, it's not an easy task. Uh, as we can very well accept the fact uh, that most listed companies today, uh, especially uh, those which are family-owned, yeah, tend to introduce friends, yeah, uh, quote unquote, yeah, as independent directors uh, into their board, yeah, yeah, yeah your uh, close ens- family neighbors, yeah, correct, to ensure that their 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 interests, yeah, quote unquote, uh, remains protected. Yeah, so while we may have nomination committee uh, to appoint these uh, newbies, uh, there is strong likelihood that nomination committee too is compromised when majority uh, individual shareholders work behind the scenes uh, to get their known friends on the board uh, as independent directors. So one way to ensure uh, independent directors are truly independent uh, is to ensure that the the vetting process uh, is carried out by an independent external party. Uh, I've actually written about this before. uh, Yes, you have, that's right. And ICDM has quoted me as well. Uh, yes. And I, in fact, I've said, yeah, this can be done by ICDM, uh, which mm-hmm. in actual fact encourages all directors to register with them. Uh, ICDM can play the role of a matchmaker and recommend to listed companies uh, nomination committee, for example, at least three potential candidates yeah, whenever there is a vacancy uh, within the board. So in that sense, uh, we create uh, this uh, detachment yeah, uh, from the influencing part of the major shelter or family-owned businesses. Yeah, so that's where uh, the board can be a bit more not only uh, independent uh, in form, but also independent in substance. What about you, Michelle? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good uh, way to look at it as well, Pankaj. You know, form and substance. So if you look at form, um, I think, yes, uh, as Pankaj has said, we've got a lot of... of, of uh, shall I say, checklists out there that can determine independence you know, on Bursa. I mean, the test is both objective as well as sub- subjective, right, on whether they are truly independent. Um, of course, then we can have through process, you know, the way we select, you know, our board members, uh, through board evaluations as well, we can assess how independent they are when they perform. You know, uh, uh, that's fine. So we have form there. But substance you know, uh, and this is where you get to the point of, you know, the individuals themselves, right? How how honest and how uh, how much do they, 
you know, uh, do they hold on uh, and represent integrity in that sense in, in their, you know, uh, individual selves, right? And no amount of regulation can supervise, you know, human values like that, honesty, integrity, etc. right? So we need to work uh, on internalizing uh, these sort of um, uh, values as well, right? And this this can take a while. If you, if you think about it, our education system, you know, should be the, the starting point. But if not, you know, uh, uh, IUDs like, like ICDM, for example, we, we are here to look at the, the self-regulation, right? And this is where directors themselves need to look and make sure that, you know, uh, they have to be aware that their decisions uh, obviously eventually affect the long-term sustainability of the company. So it's not just ticking the box, it's making sure in, in terms of content internally that you do uh, internalize uh, the right things, you know, do the right things, say the right things. Um, if I could also say, I, I mentioned earlier on about circumstance, you know, I, I do see that, um, you know, independent directors, for example, Pankaj, you mentioned the family business, you know, you have a major shareholder there. Uh, as an independent director, it is very, very difficult, right, when you have a major shareholder there uh, and putting on, for, for lack of a better word, a pressure Right? How do the independent directors ensure that they discharge their duty, they're as objective as they can be, they're independent, they don't conform, you know, they're there not to placate the majority shareholder? It's, it's very difficult. There's a balance, a very fine balance, or actually not even fine, a very clear balance that they need to juggle right, uh, 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 with that. So I think internalizing it, um, being aware of the circumstance, being aware of your position, uh, especially when you you know you have uh, uh, um, uh, external influences affecting your role, you need to be very very conscious of where you stand, uh, what you need to deliver. Yeah. You know, thinking thinking about that, right? Um, and following on that vein, how do you can you instill that in an independent director? Because ultimately, it's a sense of responsibility that everybody needs to have, right? You know, from the board to the management that you're doing the right kind of thing. And when you hire somebody to the board, how, do, how can you make sure that they, they have as much skin in it as you hope that they would? Is there, is there a way of doing that? Is there a way of incentivizing that? Well, I think, I think it's not an easy thing, but uh, at the same mm -hmm. time, when you are going through a selection process of getting a board member on board, uh, the past experience of the board member, you know, uh, having to check uh, the background of the person, you know, it perhaps helps you yeah, to understand whether the board, whether the person uh, can actually contribute positively uh, to the board uh, and in mm. terms of uh, ideas or in terms of uh, contribution, you know. So all that, uh, uh, the background check, I think, is, is where it comes from. Yeah. What do you think, Michelle? I think if you ask me, uh, Pankaj is right that that's that's one part of it. You know, when when we talk about independent sourcing, uh, vetting, uh, uh, independent validation of, of you know a board candidate, uh, that that must be done. And and at ICDM, for example, um, you know we don't just look at, at technical uh, uh, competency as well. We also do. Uh, what we call a behavioral assessment. So, and this is where we say, you know, there's only so much that you can uh, teach a person, right? In terms of technical capabilities, you can't teach honesty and integrity. So you look at the behavioral side, you know, what are their propensities? How will they contribute? How do they think? Are they an outcome-based person? 
Are they uh, a, a sort of a consensus-based person or, or are they a leader, for example? All, all these type of behavioral attitudes actually can help mm. boards ensure that, that all these diverse uh, people on their boards can actually complement each other, right? And they can, um, yes. you know, work together. So I think it's important that you do get independent assessors, like, like ICDM, for example, independent uh, uh, um, sources for placement, mm -hmm. who will then look at candidates from a technical as well as behavioral aspect. So again, uh, and when we talk about behavior, we look at attitude of a director, Right and 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 what are the right people? You want people who are proactive, people who are committed, um, you know, who who uh, don't look at directorship as a static job. It's it's not a reward for for um, retirement. Um, it, it's a lifelong uh, journey. It's a it's it's a professional lifelong journey. It's the next step in your professional career, right? So you have to have. A continuous professional uh, development or improvement, continual learning on the job, right? So, like any other job, a directorship job needs is is lifelong and and needs lifelong learning as well. So, directors need to be, um, you know, in tune, constantly learning, up upgrading their skills, learning new technologies, learning new business models, equipping themselves with with all this new you know skills and knowledge. And again, you know. A long-term view that that's very important. Um, in fact, if you look at Russell Reynolds, um, who did a, a study recently with the UN Global Compact um, on sustainable business leaders, these are the type of attributes you're looking at: inclusivity. You're looking at a person who has strong innovation uh, 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 skills, uh, capability, who looks to creating long-term value, right? And long-term value is. Uh, looking at how your business uh, balances with the environment, balances with the society, um, to create that long-term value. So all this is uh, uh, attributes of, of you know sustainable leaders, uh, uh, and and that's you know the equivalent to to board members as well. Yeah, I believe completely and utterly. I mean, it is so much a long-term game and not your you know golden nest at the end of it. And I think that is what maybe the public perception is of, of, a, of what they deem a quote-unquote cushy board position, you know? Yeah. But, you yeah. know, speaking about competency, you know, you know, Pankaj, you're the chair of a nomination committee on the board of um, MN Holdings, which is a, a civil engine and electrical contractor that specializes in high voltage and telco engineering procurement, construction and commissioning. And I'm saying that very slowly for people who, who aren't familiar with what EPCC is. You know, it's actually on the way to sort of public listing. Do you have a formula? You know, you've seen that meme, right? With people with, with um, formulas on the board. You know, what sort of formulas do you use to ensure that you have the right people on the board. And of course, right can be, uh, you know, objective, but in right, in this case, we're talking about invested long-term. How do you make sure that you get those kinds of people? Uh, thanks, Nadia. I think, uh, first of all, to understand where MN Holdings uh, is coming from, uh, that the board actually was recently formed, uh, starting early this year, uh, as the company is preparing uh, for its IPO. Uh, hence, we are all relatively new to each other. Uh, but there are mm. some, some commonalities. Uh, we, of course, went through a process of selection 
through the investment bank. And now that we have been appointed, uh, the nomination committee has been drawn up in terms of reference, uh, in terms of its terms of reference, uh, duties and responsibilities. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the recent issues that we had, uh, because uh, coming from the newly updated uh, Malaysian Code of Corporate Governance uh, 2021, uh, was actually uh, about the board composition in terms of women participation. Yeah, as you know, oh. uh, MCG 2021 calls for 30% women participation. And prior to that uh, introduction of this updated code, uh, MN Holdings uh, had six board members, uh, of which uh, 50% uh, were uh, independent and 16.7% or just one person was actually a women director. Uh, mm. So what we did is that uh, the board uh, took a stand that uh, since we are coming to market and uh, we want to show that we are, you know, uh, transparent or at least uh, meeting the objectives uh, of the code itself, uh, we decided to have on board uh, from the very start yeah, uh, that our mm. board uh, should comprise uh, at least 30% women and more than 50% uh, independent directors. Uh, so we went through a process uh, of selection again yeah, uh, to get uh, additional board members. Uh, and of course, uh, the focus here was uh, independent directors and of course, uh, women directors. Yeah, uh, So we actually have added uh, two additional directors. Uh, so today uh, we have 62.5% independent, 37.5% uh, women participation in our board. Yeah, uh, Well board, done, well done. Yeah, the well board done. is now... The board is now more diverse, uh, not only in terms of gender and independence, uh, but well, as well as age, uh, professional mm -hmm. experience and skill set. Very good, very good. Yeah. Very, very good, because very good. I think age is something that has come up quite a lot, right? Uh, about yeah. how I think in certain places you think that a board member should only be of a certain age or above, but actually um, from all the 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 sort of seminars and webinars that uh, ICDM has had, and Michelle, you will agree with me on this, a lot of our experts talk about age. Mm -hmm. You know, they talk That's about right. letting in younger people, yeah. you know, with, with some with some miles on their soul. Let's let's be honest with that. But, you know, yeah. it's no longer the, the, the realm of the over 60s, which exactly. is what we'll, we'll think. The, the two additional board members that we added on, uh, one is 31, the other one is 33. Wow, that is that is impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> I mean, I have to blow our horn as well at ICDM. We've just brought and bought two young, uh, very accomplished directors as well, age 37 and 38. So yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's what you want. Anyway, we're not saying just get the young ones on board, get, get a good mix, right? Yeah, yeah. You want the experience, yeah. you want all of that, but um, you're trying to avoid that group think, right? You don't want everyone to think in the, in the same way. So get that diverse board, get the young people in, get the disruptors, get the get the experienced people, get everyone, you know, together. And yeah. and, and then, let, you know, let's see how much disruption and, and new ways of thinking, you know, uh, uh, can, can, can happen. Yeah. Right? yeah, but it's yeah. not just bringing them on. I think not only just bringing them on, but making sure that people listen. You know, you, you, that, yeah, that, that people, that everybody gets an equal weight and an equal voice correct. in the board for sure. But, you know, talking about diversity and age and all of that, you know, both to Michelle and, and Pankaj, 
how do you make the process of board selection more transparent? You know, it, it doesn't need to be a reality competition, but, you know, there must be a way for, for people to know, okay, we picked because this, we because this, because this, because this. You know, is there any way you think that boards can make their process more transparent to everybody around them and, you know, make, make sure it's not just uh, your neighbor's, your, old, your neighbor's friend, you know, when we're talking about family boards in general? Yep. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the Malaysian Code of Corporate Governance uh, 2021 itself, uh, it also talks about nomination committee. Yeah, in terms of how a board member can be selected, uh, not only you know through uh, recommendation from uh, you know internal sources or uh, directors or, or partners, you know, but there are also other agencies that can help you. And in fact. Uh, to me, I always go back uh, to about being how uh, independent the process is. Yeah, uh, I've suggested before, in fact, in my writing as well, this way ICDM could play a role yeah, as a one-stop center uh, for corporates uh, to choose an independent director uh, by way of a short list of candidate names. So in this way, the process is clear and the independence of the director too can be established rather easily. Another issue is, of course, related to compensation uh, paid to these directors. Uh, when I suggested, uh, what I suggested is, instead of these directors paid directly uh, by the corporates themselves, uh, we should have perhaps a pool of funds yeah, contributed by all listed companies uh, so as to remove the dependence uh, of the corporation on the perceived independence of these directors. So okay. perhaps we could have an agency yeah, uh, which could manage this pool of funds. Uh, in fact, ICDM could also set up a remuneration criteria yeah, for corporates, uh, depending on the size of the company and industry. So I think uh, the dependence uh, of uh, uh, the relationship yeah, between directors uh, and the corporate uh, needs to be detached, uh, especially in terms of remuneration and how uh, the directors have been chosen. Yeah, I, I, to answer to your question, uh, Nadia, on whether we can make it more transparent, for sure, for sure we can. I mean, uh, Pankaj has mentioned it, we've got MCCG, everything's there. In terms of regulation, in terms of uh, uh, rules, there's plenty out there to make it uh, more transparent, right? Mm. Um, especially the current MCCG uh, 2021 uh, we've focused on the role of the nomination uh, committee chair as well, you know, in, in terms of driving, uh, um, you know, governance, driving independent sourcing of directors, um, making sure there's a proper selection process. I mean, we're about to come out um, next month with a study and a research uh, report on, uh, you know, uh, the selection, nomination, um, assessment of directors on board. So, so watch out for that. Um, that will again, uh, you know, supplement what MCCG is saying. That there must be a clear process of selection. One, so utilizing your independent uh, sources of, of uh, director candidates, um, having a proper, if I have, if I may say, a, a board skills matrix to determine uh, the right skills for your board in the first place. Right, no point going and sourcing when you're actually not sure what skill sets you want to drive your, your, your midterm and long-term strategy. So you have to start doing that, right? Do a proper board uh, evaluation as well. Assess your, your, your board structures, assess your board, your current members, see where the gaps are, right? And then move from there. So, so do it 
um, in a very structured manner. And, and for sure, you will see, you know, uh, that it's more transparent, there are more results, uh, investors are more uh, engaged. Um, you know, it, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. You know, the, the business landscape is changing at a very accelerating pace. You know, pandemic or no pandemic, it's just amplified everything. So if you look at this data by the Global Entrepreneurship Monitor, there are about 150 million startups in the world today. 50 million new startups launch every year. So on average, 137,000 startups are being created a day. You know, uh, of course, the truth is a large number of those will eventually fail. You know, it, it's just the way it is. But to put that in perspective, there's a huge number of entrepreneurs who are trying to disrupt today's business, you know, upend everything. But and just to do that, all you need is one. You just need one Amazon, one Netflix, you know, one one Uber or one Grab. So given that context, there is no question that the boards themselves must also evolve they must also level up. If not, there'll be forces compelling them to do so. They, they can't sit around anymore. And one of those, of course, is the shareholders. Shareholder activism is so much on the rise these days across the world, you know, because everybody's going into ESG and a lot of people are holding a lot of boards feet to the fire to make sure that's the case. And it's growing very much so in intensity. So in the US, for example, in the first quarter of 2021, activist shareholders initiated 37 campaigns against boards. So, you know, I've got this question for Pankaj. You are part of this investor community. You have spent a lot of years investing, representing, you know, a lot of institutions. What do you think is driving this surgence of, of shareholder activism and what is it you think they're actually looking for you know because it's easy to rage against the machine but what are you raging about you know what what are they looking for uh, thanks Nadia I think at the end of the day it's about how open and transparent are our corporates uh, to the investing public uh, question arises when corporates uh, tend to be less transparent uh, mm. or not you know, forthcoming in terms of information. That's where pressure builds up yeah, in terms of uh, demand yeah, for, for transparency and as well as disclosures. Uh, this includes, of course, in terms of uh, material transactions uh, mm. as well as you know, uh, those that are disclosed uh, in their quarterly statements and in the annual report as well. So shareholders today, of course, driven uh, by the ESG agenda uh, as demand for corporates to be good citizen, good corporate citizen has grown yeah, by leaps and bounds, uh, mainly due to the destruction of the environment, climate change, uh, community demand, and of course, uh, check and balances in the form of governance issues uh, so as to ensure there are no financial scandals or accounting issues as well as mismanagement. I think uh, shareholder activism uh, is being brought about uh, because of these uh, issues uh, that pop up time and again, yeah? when we see uh, accounting issues, financial scandals, uh, we see mismanagement. Yeah? Uh, so that's where the demand uh, for, of the voice, uh, voices come yeah? from shareholders who are very active and demand for this. Uh, so if you ask me what shareholders are looking for, I would say they want to make sure that the companies are properly run, uh, shows yeah. good financial performance, 
Uh, of course, growth is very important uh, for shareholders because when a company grows, earnings grows, uh, and of course, share price uh, will appreciate in time. Uh, that's where uh, shareholders uh, demand. Yeah, I mean, we are shareholders today because uh, we want to earn uh, a capital gain from our investment and of course, dividends. Yeah, so it can only happen if the company continues to grow. Uh, and if the company is mismanaged, then of course, uh, issues will prop up and share price will be punished uh, by the market. Yeah, that's where yep. uh, investors will run. Uh, so very important yeah, for corporates to be to be good corporate citizens and to be good, uh, you know, uh, uh, corporate in terms of uh, paying out good dividends, you know, and managing the affairs of the company uh, in a professional way. Okay. Uh, essentially, well, if you want to be very holistic, it's like leaving the world almost a better place, you know, making sure that you made a positive kind of difference. I think that's what a lot of people are holding companies to, to account now. Yeah, and, you know, for, for sure. And then, of course, um, it, it's going to be here to stay. Anybody, any probably old guard who's thinking, oh, it's, a, it's flash or it's to use a, a slang term, it's woke. You know, how can boards, you know, respond to the impact of shareholder activism? And I, I, want, to, I, I want to know Michelle's view on this. You know, how can they respond? Do they respond with anger, dismissiveness, or embrace it wholeheartedly? And can you embrace it too much wholeheartedly? You know, change too fast, too much, too soon. Yeah, I think I think moderation is the word to go, isn't it? Um, well, well, we hope so. We hope so. This in this day and age, moderation is rarer than hen's teeth. You know, it, it's like you must yeah. be one side or another, or you're never in between, which is a bit difficult. But yes, sorry, go on. Yeah, no worries. Um, I think it's 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 balancing again, I and mean, we talk a lot about balancing. Um, yeah. You know, a corporate you 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 can't exist in a vacuum, right? You can't exist even if you want to look at financial indicators. How do you exist in a vacuum? You're relying right on your products. You're relying on your customers in order to uh, bring in you know financial returns. And now we look at non-financial returns. How can you ignore the environment? You can't. So you, you really cannot ignore, ignore uh, all your stakeholders, not just the shareholders, right? So oh. how, how do you look at that? And how do you harness that, um, uh, what uh, you know, a corporate can get from, from considering all these factors? Look at, it, look at it positively. You know, I always say, same thing like board evaluation. Don't look at it negatively. It's not meant to be a fault-finding type of mission. And, and really, as, as I mentioned earlier, if you internalize it, you know, if you internalize what is ethical and what is right, there's actually nothing to fear, right? And, and you will look at the upside to things, right? You look at things positively. For example, um, you know, you will look at shareholder activism as a positive force of change, right? Um, right? You can't ignore it. As I said, you can't ignore it. You have to coexist with it. So look at it positively. Look at, you know, governing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the company. Look at, you know, your, your ecosystem, uh, uh, as being, you know, environmentally, socially, and, and you know, um, ESG uh, friendly in that sense, right? Um, so, so forward-looking, positive. Um, also, make sure, you know, uh, as I say, you know, um, you know, you you have to lock your car. End of the day, you have to lock your house. You can't just 
pray and hope that you know nothing happens. So put in place the right preventive measures, right? So we talk about sustainable leadership. I mentioned that earlier on. You know, make sure uh, you know that sustainability considerations are at the core of the board deliberations, right? Make sure uh, your stakeholders. Um, uh, considerations and motivations are worked into your strategy. Don't ignore it. All right, and make sure this, you know, uh, you assess how all of this consider all these considerations will impact your long the long term growth of the company. So there's a lot that the board can do, uh, making sure this is in tandem with their strategy and in tandem with their performance, right? Um, yeah. And risks. Don't forget the risks. Look at them and look at your activist shareholders and and, and you know how dealing with them affects your risk profile. So again, prevention and structure and process in place. Um, and and end of the day, engagement, communication. And we all talk about this. Engage with them. You know, speak to your your stakeholders out there. Uh, engage with them as quickly as possible. You know, understand. You know what their motivations are. What their what their investment uh, you know propositions are. Understand them. Right. Listen to them. Uh, um, now, end of the day, uh, you know the board may not directly engage with these stakeholders. It could be the management in most cases. So make sure, you know, between the board and the management uh, that they are aligned in order, you know, to, to, to they're aligned on their uh, action plan on how they're going to be dealing uh, with the stakeholders. And lastly, I think, you know, the board has to keep an open mind. Um, you can't just work and be stuck within your, your confines or, or, you know, within your lanes. You have to have an open mind. And 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 listen to your to the stakeholders because, you know, we've seen it as the cases you mentioned, Nadia. You know, before you know it, you might be displaced. So, so do listen, right? Yeah, I think that's important. And and in that vein, Pankaj, what advice would you give to your own board? You know, with regard to shareholder activism, because especially in your capacity as the chair of the the risk management committee, you know what. What would you tell them to fear it, not fear it, listen? I mean, how would you approach that for people who probably, you know, because corporates do have, a, you know, they have a certain way of thinking and a certain way of how they think things should be done. How, what advice would you give them to accept that this is a good thing? Somebody wanting change is a good thing. You know, one thing, one thing I tell uh, public listed companies the moment you go public, you are a public company. Yeah, meaning the meaning public means everybody has a say in terms yeah. of how what you are doing. Yeah, uh, yeah. so in any company, to me, uh, the risk management committee actually plays an essential role. Uh, it's not only identifying key business risks, uh, but to manage them as well. Yeah, so compliance, statutory requirements, guidelines, practice notes. Uh, are all the guiding principles yeah, for a co- corporate uh, to adhere to, to make sure uh, if uh, not only meets them, but also have added in-house customized framework to mitigate specific risks uh, unique to a corporate's own business model. Yeah? Because I think uh, when you talk about uh, shareholder activism, uh, it arises a lot when you are out of line. Yeah, You are not meeting the guidelines. You are against the law. Uh, or you you are not uh, adhering to the practice notes uh, or listing requirements of Bursa. Yeah, so all these mm-hmm. guidelines are there. And if you are not meeting them, then obviously uh, the demand yeah, for transparent transparent uh, disclosures uh, for you to make sure you meet the 
definitions or the listing requirements or guidelines uh, uh, is mm. continuously be haunting you. So it's very important uh, for risk management committee for that for, for that matter uh, to make sure all this is clearly uh, spelled out and clearly attended to and clearly met. Hence, one of the important thing to do is to report with greater detail yeah, how mm. the various risks uh, that a corporate is exposed to is, is mitigated and how, if any, uh, if there are breaches uh, attended to and rectified yeah, in a timely manner. So I think that's very important yeah, for risk management committee uh, to oversee and to make sure uh, that the corporate uh, you know, meets all the expectations. Yeah. Yet there will be cases yeah, where shareholders will be asking you questions uh, about a particular issue. Yeah. They can, of course, uh, raise them during... Uh, uh, for example, uh, at your AGM, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, when you have when you have an AGM, uh, you'll have uh, a lot of participation from your shareholders asking you a lot of questions, yeah. And if you can see today, uh, even the the MCCG twenty twenty one talks about how do you engage, uh, you know, your shareholders uh, during the AGM. Yeah, you have to make sure that you answer all the questions that's been raised uh, by shareholders. Uh, and mm. even today, uh, the code requires you to mini uh, the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the the AGM itself. We have to make sure uh, that everyone understands uh, in terms of what has been discussed, what has been disclosed, uh, what has been shared yeah, uh, with the, all the shareholders. So I think being a public listed company, uh, the important thing to understand that you are a public company and you cannot run away yeah, from being a responsible corporate citizen. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We're actually sadly almost out of time, but uh, as we wrap up, do, do any of Pankaj and Michelle, you have any sort of last words for our listener on this matter? Uh, maybe I'll go first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Go ahead, Pankaj. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Let go Michelle ahead. wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the business world today is very challenging. Yeah, and with greater demand for transparency and accountability, uh, corporates today have no choice. Yeah, but to ensure they are up to the mark when it comes to meeting stakeholders' expectations, uh, from having a board that is not only independent in form but in substance, uh, to greater engagement with stakeholders, uh, corporates today need to ensure that they do make allowances for these demands. Uh, mm, this includes mm, mm. to put in the right resources and time to address them. Worse, uh, if, they, they, if they are issues that flare up, uh, corporates need to be mindful how it responds and time is of course the essence. Uh, I also believe that while we may have rules, regulation and statutory requirements, uh, it is also good for corporates to adopt greater transparency uh, beyond what is required so as to show its high level of governance and accountability. Yeah? Uh, with that, market will appreciate you. For sure, for sure. What about you, Michelle? Well, I, I think Pankaj has covered a lot of, of what is important. Um, my last words, uh, perhaps, to board members out there, um, change or, or, or be changed, uh, you know, yourself. And, and I say this with various permutations, right? Change yourself, you know, keep abreast, stay ahead of the curve. Um, make sure, you know, you keep abreast of, of, of all the upcoming trends, right? Uh, continual 
leadership improvement is, is important for long-term sustainability, right? So make sure you're ch you, you change and you're not static, right? Otherwise, you can be changed. And we've seen that in cases. But again, that change, not only from uh, a stakeholder perspective, right? Uh, uh, independent directors yourselves, you can make that change as well in your circumstance, right? We, we look at the Toshiba case, you know, where the, the independent directors have spoken up now and said, you know, uh, uh, spoken up about uh, uh, mismanagement uh, uh, and, and, you know, unethical practices in the company uh, through, you know, uh, uh, influential voices. So again, there's a role and, and independent directors themselves can also make that external change. So you talk about internal change for themselves and how they can make and an, an that external change uh, in their corporates, right? So um, changed or, or be changed. For, for sure. I think that's the wonderful way to kind of um, wrap up uh, this, this, this podcast session where ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, as you said, change or be changed and improvement is continuous. You know, and in the and definitely that everything can be learned, and don't be afraid of learning. I or think that's unlearning the, the, or unlearning or, un, or unlearning yeah. even. Yeah, don't but even yes. be afraid of learning or yes. unlearning. You know, yes. things yeah. that that worked twenty years ago are not going to work today. Exactly. You know, and but uh, but above all, I think fear shouldn't stop you from actually rejecting it you know fear should should shouldn't stop you and and sort of feed into this idea that you should just reject it outright yeah you know so i think that's definitely one thing and the other one is of course that activism is here to stay you shouldn't there's there's nothing you can do to get rid of it people will be more more vocal about it so learn how to kind of make it into your well, friend you. rather than well, for you, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's right. And anyway, so thank you so much, Pankaj, and thank you so much, Michelle, for all of that. Please keep out for another episode of the Sounding Board podcast. I have been Nadia Hassan. Everybody keep safe. Thank you, Nadia. Thank, thank you, Nadia. You. Thank you, Pankaj. Thank you for listening to the Sounding Board. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you find the conversation insightful, please share it with someone you know. The Institute of Corporate Directors Malaysia works collaboratively with boards and directors in shaping a resilient and forward-looking corporate governance culture. Connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter or visit icdm.com.my to explore more director programs and initiatives.